You heard me say it, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. But I've had the experience in my work of coming in contact with individuals who want what follows, but aren't willing to lead with identity. It used to bother me and I could not figure out why they did not want to lead with identity. Then it dawned on me that people think that doing identity work means that you're broken. When in fact, it has nothing to do with brokenness and it's not an attempt to fix you. Identity work is about coming in alignment with who you are and not fixing, but honoring who you are and building a brand that is most authentic to who you are. So if you're ready to leave with identity and become a supernormal superstar, visit YourSupernormal.com right now and let's do the work. Like I know that I stand on the shoulders of a Fannie Lou and a Harriet Tubman. I know that for sure because my mother put their 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 spirits into my spirit. And so I couldn't do the things that I do today if I didn't pay homage to the women who stood strong and just kept toiling and, and kept showing up. In community, there's a joke here. It, um, I'm in California and in Sacramento. I, I show up at school board meetings and city council meetings and, and board of supervisor meetings, even up to our state legislature. And there's a joke in community that here comes that chick that just shows up. I really, I'm an Oakland girl. I'm just in a, you know, think about LL Cool J back in the day when he sung that song, Around the Way Girl. That's me. Like I'm down to earth, but I'm also have an education behind me and you will not close the door in my face because I deserve to be here just like everyone else. The Multidimensional Intelligence Podcast is powered by Transform You Institute. Transform You Institute is the newest technology here at Clifton Pettyjohn Enterprises. We will utilize this platform to fulfill the mission of teaching creators how to transform their lives through embracing the entirety of their best selves. It is a game changer in personal development and empowerment. To learn more about TYI, text Transform You to 302-208-9440. Welcome to the Multidimensional Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, your trusted voice of transformation, Clifton Pettyjohn. Join me as I engage in ingenious conversations with top creators from around the world who have embraced their dimensions of intelligence within their professional personal and spiritual paths of transformation. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Multidimensional Intelligence Podcast. That's right. Episode one of the Multidimensional Intelligent Podcast. I may appear to be hyped. Some of you say I'm always hyped, and I am many times always hyped. But I just concluded our first interview. Miss Sonia Lewis was our guest on today. Let me tell you, y'all, she is amazing. We talked about education. We talked about equity. We talked about diversity. We talked about uh, entrepreneurship. We talked about 
affirmations. We talked about what is, uh, what was her why? What is it that drives her to do the very things that drive her to do the very things that she does? I promise you, if you stay tuned and listen to the entirety of the conversation, yo, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to make an impact in your personal life. But before we do all that, my name is Clifton Petty John. I am your trusted voice of transformation. I teach creators how to transform their lives through embracing the entirety of their best self. And as I said, you're listening to the multidimensional intelligence podcast. And what I'm doing is I'm gathering top creators from around the world who have tapped into, as Elliot Carlisle says, their divine intelligence. I call it that that intelligence that's connected to their DNA, that individual intelligence. They have tapped into it and they are utilizing that to change the world as we know it. No longer will you look at your uniqueness or your weirdness as a negative connotation. You will understand that that is your intelligence manifesting yourself and manifesting itself. And you just have to find out how to take that intelligence and cause it to convert into everyday life. Let's do our breathing exercises. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. One more time, breathe in, hold it, breathe out. Now, if you were able to complete the exercise with me, doesn't it feel so good? Don't you feel lighter? You know why you feel lighter? Because you've taken the energy that you once devoted to those circumstances, situations in your past that you can't seem to get over or that you can't seem to get through, you pull that energy. You're no longer devoting that energy to that. Then you're going to your future and you're pulling the energy that has you afraid of your future, uh, not sure of your future, feeling as if it will never come. We pulled that energy and we merged it with the energy that is present here in this moment. We've merged them three together and we have created synergy. And the name of that synergy is your best self. How is that my best self? It's your best self because you yourself are present. Right now, in the state that you are in now, you are your best self for where you are right now. Every tool, technique, strategy that you need is inside of you. But it's conversations like we're having tonight that are going to begin to unlock your ability to navigate to those solutions, those strategies, those answers, those technologies, so that you can begin to embrace the entirety of your intelligence. I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Mrs. Sonia Lewis. Everyone, help me welcome Sonia Lewis to the show. Sonia, how are you tonight? I am fabulous. I am just excited to be here and um, welcome into your community and with your listeners. And and yes, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Listen, I'm loving the energy already. Those who listen to the show know that that's the type of energy that we have here on the show. So I'm excited about the conversation already. So here's what I do. I like to start the show off with an icebreaker question. I usually use the same icebreaker on all of my shows that I that I host. However, somebody suggested to me I needed to mix it up. Just because I enjoy the icebreaker question doesn't mean that we can't try a new one. So tonight we're going to try a new one. 
And the new icebreaker question is, if your personality was displayed on a t-shirt or on a hoodie or on any type of clothing material, what would be on that shirt to describe your personality? Okay, that's a good question. So I am going to go with unflinching. Um, and simply that, hashtag unflinching, like dare me, try me, like let's talk about it. All of the things, I don't, I don't have an ounce of fear in the things that I approach in community and my personal life. And so someone told me recently that I come off like Harriet Tubman and that I'm unflinching. So I'm going to go with that. I like that. And that's exactly what our listeners need to hear, because if we allow fear to do that, it will keep us locked in potential. I tell people that at a certain point, somebody telling you you have a lot of a, of a potential is actually not a compliment. Right. Because at some point, that potential ought to mature and develop into something. We can talk about that a little later. But what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listening audience. You can go as far back as your journey as you would like to, to what brought you to where you are to this present day. Now, I will say I usually don't read our guest bios, but I felt led to read yours. And your the very first sentence of your bio grabbed my attention. And it said at the age of seven, she refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance or the national anthem, I believe it was, one or the other. And I said, I cannot wait for this conversation because Absolutely. I can definitely relate to that. So I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. And really and truly, thank you so much for that, um, because that's always where I start with my introduction. So I'm going to go back just a little, little further back to give you another layer to the complexity of who I am. And that is that my mother is from the Midwest. She is from the projects of Chicago. And she says that she's not from the projects of Chicago um, because when she was a kid, the Dan, Dan Ryan Freeway was built through Chicago and it demolished a black community very similar to um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Greenwoods District. And so her family home that they owned for um, decades um, was demolished and they were then moved with all of the other black families into the project. And so my mother made a decision at 18 that she would never live in an apartment. That's how traumatizing growing up in the projects was for her. My father, on the other hand, is a good old Texas boy and everything about Texas that you can think of. He is that. But he grew up, you know, picking cotton in cotton fields. He grew up shooting guns. Um, he grew up, you know, um, born at home with the rest of his siblings because black folks couldn't be born in hospitals. And so both of them met in California. And then my dad, after he um, served his tour in um, the Vietnam War, was one of five officers who integrated the Richmond Police Department. And on the other hand of that, my mother was dibbling and dabbling in the Black Panther Party. So you start to put together what that, you know, could that scenario could have played wow. into the development of who I am. So on one day when I was in the second grade, I went to school and I said to myself, the Pledge of Allegiance, liberty and justice for all. That last line does not apply to people that look like me, my community, my family. Um, and so I wasn't going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And so I, I sat and I got into a lot of trouble. And it took a, about a month before my mother was even notified that I was in trouble, um, which then alerted my mom to the realization that 
she had a child on her hands that was going to challenge systems and she better, you know, buckle herself in and get ready for the fight as well. I love it. I love it. I love it. I can see why, <laughs> you know, you, you took that stance even at such a young age. Yeah. And I, I think that that is an important conversation especially with everything that we have going on right now. You were talking about liberty and justice for all. I want to ask you your mindset now from when you were seven years old to where you are now, do you still feel that liberty and justice does not apply to all? Have there been some steps made in the right direction? Have we experienced some setbacks with that? What, what is your viewpoint concerning that? Well, I would, you know, if I, I had a short, easy answer, it would be, no, there's no liberty and justice for us still. And so therefore, I'm, I'm 50. I just turned 50 this year. And I will tell you that I have not, since age seven, set the Pledge of Allegiance. I also don't stand for um, the, the Star Spangled Banner because there's a very racist stanza that's in that um, song or poem, so to speak, that is very much in support of, in favor of slavery of folks that look like us. And so um, have there been strides in the right direction? I am very hopeful. I am a very optimistic person. My cup is definitely half full. And so I, while I am working every day to make sure that equity is lifted and centered, I also am a realist. And so if I am going to stand on um, maneuvering and, and helping folks understand these concepts and ideations around equity and humanity and belonging, then I have to also realize that the truth has to be told. And we're going to call a thing a thing today. And that is that this country was founded on racism and that white supremacy and all of its tentacles exist in 2021. I think you hit something that, that has been at the forefront of conversations that I continuously have. Uh, I think that we have some people that like to live in this fairy tale, fairy tale world as if, no, 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 don't talk about it. Don't say anything about it and act as if it does not exist. And if I bring up, bring it up that, wait a minute, this is the principles that it was founded on. Then now I become an enemy to the process. But my reality is there can be no progress without truth and we can't subtract and add to something and call it truth. That's why that's something that's so very, uh, I'm very passionate about because you talked about equity and, and that's a conversation I had with, with other people as well, because everybody's talking equality, equality, equality. No, you're missing the whole point. The fight is for equity. Absolutely. You know, the fight is for equity. So I, I, I saw that and I just had to bring that up uh, in the conversation because I feel like even with everything that is going on, that there's still a silencing that's been going on as well. And we can't begin to be silent just because we're not hearing a whole lot of things that right. are going on because they're still going on. Absolutely. We still have to stand in those positions and, and stand for justice and equity for all. So uh, thank you. Now, let's transition a little bit. Let's transition okay. a little bit because I saw you're in education. Yes. Now, the name of this podcast is Multidimensional Intelligence. And I, the purpose of this podcast is to have conversations with people that have tapped into their divine intelligence, as one of my brothers, Elliot Carlisle, says. But they've tapped into what it is about them that sets them apart. Yeah. What is your personal definition of intelligence and how do you display your intelligence? 
Oh, that's another good question. And so I think that intelligence is our ability to process. So take in information and then how it shows up in our behaviors and our actions is our level of intelligence. I don't think that it can be measured um, in a test. I don't think that it can be measured based on one's age. And I don't think it can be measured based on one's experience because there are oftentimes you will see um, individuals who are thrown into situations that are very foreign to them and they figure a way to survive. And, and, And that's a resilience. And so I think that intelligence has to do with resilience. For me, my intelligence or what I how I lean on my intelligence is my ability to listen and process. Um, I, I think that listening, my, you know, I, I'm an old school adage girl. My grandmother used to say you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah. And so it's important for us to listen to instead of trying to defend, um, to listen with the purpose of trying to figure out solutions, to listen with the um, purpose of also um, standing on humanity, because we all at the end of the day deserve to be a part of the equation. And so that's what I I think that intelligence means. I hope that I convey that when I am in spaces where I'm working with young people, but more importantly, I hope that 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 message is resounding loud and clear when I am training and facilitating workshops and things with adults. Yeah, I think that you're talking about that bridge right there, that bridge that has to be united and and able to be crossed between the young people and then those that are responsible for educating the young people and responsible for the care of those young people. Uh, You're an educator, and I'm sure you experienced this as well, and I've been in the education field for years as well, where you see kids that are extremely intelligent. However, they're not able to identify that intelligence because many times intelligence is only measured in one dimension. Right. As an educator, how did you begin to tap into different individuals' experience of intelligence or different individuals' manifestation of intelligence? Yeah, yeah. I think that it's important when we're talking about intelligence and when we're, we are equipping young people in particular to be able to perform and tap into their own intelligence, it's a matter of exposure. It's a matter of exposing um, folks to the different modalities of being able to learn and, and receive information. Um, and, and as well, making sure that folks understand that, you know, one's disability or lack of ability, right, um, should not hinder them from participating, should not be a, a disclaimer to whether or not they can succeed or not. And so as, as long as we are tapping into the possibility um, that a person is able to receive information, we need to stand on their strengths and not accentuate their weaknesses. I think that oftentimes that young people and marginalized demographics in particular, black, brown, poor, LBGTQ, um, foster youth, I think that they oftentimes are conditioned to believe the narrative of the deficit. And so I come from a standpoint, my mother and father told me from the day I was born, look at here, little beautiful black girl, you are going, you can be anything you want to be. I don't care what the norm says. I don't care what society says. I don't care what folks in our own community say. 
you can be anything you want to be. They told me that I was beautiful. They told me that I was smart. They told me that I was capable. And then the other piece that, you know, really, really resonated with who I am. And I try to manifest that in every situation that I am is I ain't competing with nobody. My mother told me that I am my biggest competition. Can't nobody beat me except for me. And so if people start to see themselves as their only competition, they can take other folks out the comp uh, out of the equation and focus on the things that they are good at and not worry about the things that they are weak at. Many people define stagnation as not producing or being at a standstill. I get it. However, I would like to add a little weight to the definition and say that I may be producing I may be moving however my production and my movements are disrespectful to the purpose that's inside of me to the greatness that's inside of me if that's going on that's stagnation as well and that's okay guess why because I have developed a tool I wrote a book called from stagnation to transformation and that book was written specifically for individuals that feel stuck, that feel lost, that feel like they're just wandering in the wilderness, that feel like they just I need something is just missing. It's okay. I want you to head over to www.cliftonpettyjohn.com forward slash transformation. There you're going to find a complimentary portion of the book. That's right. A complimentary portion of the book. I want you to read that portion. After that, it's going to ignite such a fire inside of you that you're going to want to purchase the your personal copy of From Stagnation to Transformation. So I want you to do that as well. Why? Because I believe that it'll give you a 21 day jump start to fulfilling or re-identifying purpose in whatever core area you find yourself stagnant in. So again, visit www.cliftonpettyjohn.com forward slash transformation. Yeah, you hit it right there. Being conditioned to believe the narrative of the deficit. Yeah. Now, how does one say, say I'm an educator, say I'm a mentor, I'm community leader, and I have a group of people that have been conditioned in that way. I know you talked about what your parents did with you. What are some other strategies that I can use, you know, to counteract that conditioning? Yeah. This might sound strange to some folks who are old school, but believe what our babies tell us. When we when they come home and they have experienced something that is traumatic and oppressive and harmful, believe them. You do your investigation. Don't just assume, you know, my mother was very old school in the sense that she said, don't bring shame to my doorstep. But she also was very insistent on my voice being something that was important. So she she instilled in me telling the truth. I think that too often our kids not only get conditioned into believing the deficit, but they get conditioned into silencing themselves because they've been told, oh, a kid should stay in their place. Right. Or they've been told that I don't send you to a school where adults are going to treat you any different than any other kid. Well, I am very sorry. As an educator, I spent 17 years in a traditional high school classroom teaching social study, and I have witnessed firsthand our babies be treated and targeted for things that, you know, Bobby and Becky and them do, and it's seen as, you know, kid-like behavior or immature behavior. 
But the moment that a black child does it, they are adultified. They are made to feel as though they are more mature and they should know better. Whereas the reality of it is that leads us to, unfortunately, things like the school to prison pipeline and, you know, the lack of achievement or the belief in that we can achieve. Yes, 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 yes. And I think the scary uh, part for me, uh, I can speak locally, is I don't see a lot of our kind designed to teach anymore, you know, and and that's scary for me. And and I can, being in the school system for the years that I was, I can understand. Right. But it is scary for me as well, because it's like, I believe that people need to see representation in all walks of life. If I can see somebody that looks like me, that sounds like me, that walks like me, that talks like me, that might even think a little bit about uh, like me, then I see that there is something that I can strive for and even strive beyond. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. Now let's talk about it. You, you, uh, were in the school system, and then you transitioned into entrepreneurship. How was that transition? You know, let me just say that I never thought that I would be a business owner and um, doing all of the things that a solopreneur does for so many years. And, you know, being told that your business is a hobby or being told your, your business, go get a real job. I've heard all the whole gamut of things, but I knew that I had something Um, with respects to equity. Um, When I left teaching, I was still being called upon by students and parents alike to help with the transition from high school to the real world. And so what that looked like back then in 2009 was helping black and brown students get into college or make sure that their resume was tight and that they can do a good interview so that they can get a job. And so from that work led to teachers and administrators seeing the work and saying, hey, Sonia, can you come in and create a program for my school? That then led me to, um, hey, Sonia, I see that you have an ear or an eye for inequity. Can you help us with our climate and culture here when especially racial and gender injustice was taking place? And then flip ahead to this past year um, with the, I say, the collision of two pandemics, covid the shutdown of schools and the, and the pandemic of racism, um, we saw two really starkingly different realities. When it came to urban schools, we saw that there was a lack of access for resources like textbooks and computers and internet connection. And that was on top of the fact that mommies and daddies were sometimes at home and that when they were at home in these same spaces as their um, children, that they were beginning to see the lack of quality or the lack of um, encouragement or the lack of positivity in the school structure. And so there have been lots of pivots that I've had to make over the past 12 years in my business, but I would not have thought that I am here today the way that I'm able to show up today. I now have a team. Um, My children are some of my employees. And we just really and truly look at the various clients that I bring to the table And we look at it from a multi and intergenerational perspective. So even my eight-year-old can have a conversation about what equity looks like in the workplace or in the school place, right? Because he knows the definition of equity and he can say, no, that doesn't sound fair to me, right? Whereas my mother, who's in her 70s, who's also on my team, can say, well, well, when I was a kid, these are the the challenges that we um, had to deal with. 
And so when we think about just the dynamic of a black woman being a business owner, right, there's a rarity yeah. in that. There, that's a unique positioning that I offer. I offer that my business is very family led and it's multi and intergenerational. But there's this other little unique quality is that even though I am in spaces where we are talking about equity and um, DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion work, I am not your typical DEI firm. We are, my team and I have been become experts in curating safe space for courageous conversations. Like because one thing that we do know is that Unfortunately, and it's, there are some fortunate things about it. White folks still are the majority. And so if we go in with guns blazing, making folks feel blame and shame for the things that they really and truly couldn't control 400 years ago, but getting to a point of acknowledging and agreeing that and, and coming to an understanding that, yeah, these are things that you could not control 400 years ago, but you benefit from them while people who look like me still have a lack of access to. And that realization is what I think my journey has been over the past 12 years and being an entrepreneur. Awesome. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about those courageous conversations? Uh, because I always use transformative conversations or uncomfortable conversations. So can you talk about what a courageous conversation looks like? Yeah. And even if you can go a little deeper into why they are important. See, here's the thing that, you know, we all have fears. We all, and I don't care if you are, you know, white, 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 or as dark or darker than me, right? We all have been conditioned to believe certain things about the way things are supposed to be. And so we all have fears. As a black woman, I have fears of going into spaces. And I will tell you that there is this, there has been, um, not just in my generation of teachers, but pre-dedicate, pre-dating me, right? Of te black teachers, brown teachers, um, API teachers going into spaces and they being drained for their brilliance. And therefore, I can understand why there's a lack of black and brown representation on school campuses around this country, um, because we get used for things that we don't get paid for. Right. Yes. So my teaching experience was li literally like, can you come in and be the teacher? But when we have a problem with this black child, can you also be a mentor yep. to that teacher? Yep. Can you be the cheerleading coach? Can you then be the BSU sponsor? These are the things that I was asked to do for free. With, can you um, help us organize the, the Black History Month celebration? You know, we got all these good intentions and good intended white folks around us, but they don't want to put their sweat and equity in. Yes. And so that's part of the equation. But the other piece of it is, when we're talking about um, safe space, brave space, courageous space is we have to really and truly be vulnerable. And the only way to do that is that you trust people. And so I really, in my workshops and in my webinars and trainings, I get people to a realization of understanding what it means to be an ally. We begin to understand and break down shared language and values so that we know what we're talking about because acknowledgement yeah. doesn't mean the same yeah. thing for, for me as it might mean to my white counterpart, right? Um, um, accountability does not mean the same for black folks and white folks. Like when a black folk, when a black person is on the news and they've done something and you see their picture comes across the screen, you're like, oh my God, I feel as a black person, shame and blame for something that I didn't have anything to do. But typically when there's a person who's of, a, of white ancestry does something wrong, it doesn't impact their, the whole white community. There's no blame and shame associated with that. 
And so brave and safe spaces for courageous conversation also looks like understanding allyship. So I do an activity in the beginning of my trainings where I ask women to stand up and describe what it means to for in, individuals to be an ally to women's rights. Then I have people who are LBGTQ plus. You stand up and you share what it means to be an ally to your community. And Black folk, well, a, Latin, Latinx folks stand up, API folks stand up, Muslim folks stand up, Black folks stand up. And then as we begin to understand that being an ally is not a matter of throwing up hashtags, taking a picture with, saying that I got friends who, or especially not saying that I don't see color, right? Oh. <laughs> like that's the biggest egregious um, microaggression that I think is out there and used quite often. But it's, it comes with good intention. We also do have to recognize that the majority of folks are not intending to be harmful. They just don't know. Oprah said it best. When people know better, they do better. And so I provide, you know, the skills and the language and the, um, the just the tools in our tool belt so that we know better and how to apply it. That's great because the conversations that you were talking about were so, are so needed, so needed, even the whole, I don't see color uh, conversation. And we hear that. And like you said, it's not always meant you know, to be, you know, a, a, a bad right. situation. Some people just think that that's the right thing to say, right. you know, so I, that is good because, and I like how you incorporate everybody in it because I hear a lot of people talk about inclusion and, and equity and, and, and various things and equality and all those great things. But it seems as if they talk about it from a lens that excludes one set of people. You know, or one sec of people. So seeing you talk about it from the scope of everybody being included, I personally feel that that's how we change this country. Are you enjoying today's episode? I know you are. Are you tired of me interrupting you with ads? I get it. I understand. So now we offer an experience for our listening audience to listen to our conversations without any interruptions. That's right, we now offer an ad-free version of every episode. And for you to take advantage of that, I want you to text ADFREE to 302-208-9440. Again, 302-208-9440. You provide your services in, in schools and with parents and, and, and things like that. Do you do this in the business arena as well? Because I feel like that's needed so much even in business. Yeah. So I would say that 60% of my clients are either school sites or school districts. Um, but I have had over the past year a growing, um, consistent consistently growing an increasing number of clients that are coming from the government um, spectrum. I have corporate America who is showing up saying that we need to do this work and we are putting our money where our mouth is. There's one thing to acknowledge that the the atrocity of George Floyd um, being murdered in the public view, right? In that acknowledgement, there are lots of corporate um, organizations who are saying, we want to do better and we're willing to pay for, you know, just some 
exploratory application pieces led by folks who do this work. I think it's extremely important and imperative that organizations, I don't care what the organization is, we all need to be having these conversations because you said something important that I always go back to on a regular basis in that it's, it's, it's nice if we can get to a place of inclusion, but the part that's really, really crucial and where the rubber meets the road is when people feel not just included, but that they belong. And uh. all of all of those things definitely determine the bottom line. And if you are in business to make money, if you are in business to serve, your bottom line is going to be impacted by the people who are on your team. If they don't feel like they belong, all they're doing is clocking in. They got a bad attitude and a, a frown on their face. And they know that, you know, there's not a value in what they bring to the table because their voice isn't a part of the solution. And so I encourage leaders in, in corporate spaces, organizational spaces. I even work with nonprofits. I just was on a call today. One of my clients is United Way, big national organization. And so we are doing, we have a year long contract for me to come in on a monthly basis and lead these conversations around what equity can look like in their team as well as representation. And so we can't leave it at, you know, let's check off this DEI box for the yeah. year. We did our work. No, <laughs> I don't I don't leave trainings or have kumbaya moments where we feel right. all fuzzy and good on the inside. And then, you know, a year from now, you have an employee that's like still disgruntled and they show up in those spaces and they remind you of how horrible you treated them. This is so good. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Now I want to ask you, because I can hear the excitement. I can hear, you know, the passion and everything that you, when you speak about all of this, what is your why? What drives you? What wakes you up in the morning and gets you going? And, and what, what is your why? Even when, you know, I'm sure you face opposition, definitely being an entrepreneur, but even carrying, you know, this assignment, carrying this mandate, what is your why that keeps you going? You know, seven-year-old Sonia is my why. Um, I am the mother of six beautiful black boys. Um, and my oldest was diagnosed ADHD at the same time that he tested into the gifted and gate, um, gifted and talented um, program at his school when he he's 27 now. And he would be like criminalized for things that were just typical boy behavior. And because he was a black boy, he was seen as a threat. Um, and so he's part of my why. My, my children will not have to not be able to advocate for themselves. But another part of my why is an ability to transform what legitimate business can look like for black folks. Yes. I, a part of my why is reclaiming all the things that my ancestors were denied, but they deserve. Yes. Uh, like I have so many whys, I can't, you know, it's, it's hard to put my finger on just one why, but if it came down to it, it would definitely be because of the shoulders of other women who came before me. Like I know that I stand on the shoulders of a Fannie Lou and a Harriet Tubman. I know that for sure, because my mother put their, their, their spirits into my spirit. And so I couldn't do the things that I do today if I didn't pay homage to the women who stood strong and just kept toiling and, and kept showing up. In community, there's a joke here. It, um, I'm in California 
and in Sacramento, I, I show up at school board meetings and city council meetings and, and board of supervisor meetings, even up to our state legislature. And there's a joking community that here comes that chick that just shows up. I really, I'm an Oakland girl. I'm just in a, you know, think about LL Cool J back in the day when he sung that song Around the Way Girl. That's me. Like I'm down to earth, but I'm also have an education behind me and you will not close the door in my face because I deserve to be here just like everyone else. Now I want you to talk to the young ladies, uh, teenagers, early 20s, 30s, 40s that have dreams, that have aspirations. However, they find themselves just stuck in the thoughts and opinions of others and the thoughts and opinions that they wrestle with within their self. They feel that, you know, I don't even know if I deserve this. You know, might be one out there that feels I just messed up so much. I can't even rebound from this. Can you talk to them from that perspective so that they can begin to hear from a business owner to understand that this is possible for you or whatever route you desire to take, you can be successful at that? Absolutely. And so here's the thing, young ladies that are, you know, in an earshot or if there's a mama or auntie or a grandma or, you know, that family member who is um, that person whispering in your ear about your brilliance, about um, who you are as an individual. The first thing that I would say is um, as young girls, um, young black girls in particular, it's important that we assert our agency. And, and what I mean about that is we can lean into the stereotypes in a way that magnifies the fact that it's a stereotype. So one of my favorite is, and I used to do this when I was a kid, and I sometimes still do it as an adult, when people have preconceived notions about you and they just say, oh, that's a, just another angry black girl or black woman, or why is she so loud? And my response to that is, I have to be loud because y'all don't want to hear us. And so it takes an opportunity to amplify my voice. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to get disrespectful with you, but I know how to use the tone in my voice so that you know when I mean business. So sometimes it might be a matter of looking yourself in the mirror and saying, you are the bomb.com and there is no one better than you. And just reminding yourself of that. Set goals for yourself and start seeing yourself check those goals off um, of your goal list, right? I looked at myself at age 35 and I was like, dang it, I did almost everything that I wanted to do when I was put it on my, my vision board at age 18. And so now let's make a re another vision board, right? So we need to reimagine what the possibilities are. And don't be afraid that if you don't accomplish something, that you can't go back and try it again, right? Or that you can't change that thing to another thing. You don't have to be locked into one path. Like it would be a very sad reality if I still was in the classroom and I wasn't able to get on platforms like this and be called into corporate spaces to do this, the work that I currently do. I wouldn't be able to do that if I was still in a a classroom setting. And so I don't, I, I just think that we should not be the ones guilty of putting the handcuffs on ourselves. There's too many people trying to put handcuffs on us. And so be as beautiful, bold, and fierce as possible in your beautiful black skin. Um, and and just 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 be radical. Just all the things that they say that we are, be that and some, right? Um, and then there's this piece that I, I always like to leave um, young black girls with is 
this ideation that conflict is negative, like just being black in America is conflict. And so we are going to feel it and address it every day. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of conflict. Don't don't quiet to it. Don't shush to it. Don't bow your head to it. Address it head on and with pride. Put your head up. Put them them elbow them shoulders back and lean into moments because when folks see that you are not afraid, um, they typically don't mess with you. And so that would be my message to to young beautiful black girls out there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I'm not even a young, beautiful black girl, but I was like, yo, I could conquer the world right now. Like, I love it. I love it. So now, can you tell everyone how they can get in contact with you? If you can give them your social media handles, give them your website, tell them the services that you offer, any courses you may have coming up, all of those great things. Absolutely. So you can find us at Ascribe AS. C-R-I-B-E, success, ascribesuccess.com. That is also our Facebook and our Instagram handle. We are on Twitter as Ascribe Ed. What we do in a nutshell is we offer equity and humanity trainings and facilitation for organizations. And that can be from education to government to nonprofit. Um, all spaces need to be having these conversations, but the bigger part of just knowing how to get in touch with us is what we do. So we, we do the, the group trainings for professional de development sake, but we also do one-on-one -on -one co coaching when it comes to, um, corporate leaders and organizational, um, executives. And so what that looks like is preparing those people who say they want to do this work and making sure that they are prepared with the language and the courage to step into those spaces so that a black woman like myself who knows how to see bob and weave and shape chip when we see the bs coming we don't have we don't have to be thinking like okay here's an, another op failed opportunity that's com coming our way and so i help organizational leaders and corporate executives be prepared to step into those spaces with um uh, just genuinely right and then the final piece that I do, I, I run a nonprofit called Edify Humanity, and that's where we help young people realize their power through marrying educational equity and social justice activism. This summer, we have been doing a summer program where we are teaching um, financial literacy, and all of our kiddos from age five years old to age 18 are, after they go through our training with um, financial literacy, they're learning about um, food justice. They are learning about how to start a business from the lens of solving problems in their own community. And they are learning how to invest in the stock market. And each kid who successfully completes our program is going to be gifted with a hundred dollars to invest in themselves. And so that's, you know, so we have our, this is how we make money. And then we siphon a little bit of that, those profits over to our nonprofit to make sure that we are able to impact young people so that they can build generational wealth. That is like key to what everything that I do when I talk about equity, I always go back to what would seven-year-old Sonia want, need, and desire to be successful. Awesome. Awesome. I know that there are going to be some people that are going to be contacting you regarding your services and everything that you have to offer from this conversation. I want you to leave our audience with one more thing. I'm a big proponent of affirmations. If you could leave our audience with one affirmation 
that maybe you've applied personally to your life or something that you just feel at this moment that could really inspire them, we would appreciate it. Inspire them, I'm sorry. Absolutely. So I live by two major affirmations. I didn't grow up knowing my grandparents because my parents moved away from their hometowns when they were young enough. And then I never got an opportunity to grow up with my grandparents. But I can remember my paternal grandmother always saying, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And she would say, speak up, baby, whatever it is you want. If you don't put it into the atmosphere, you don't know if someone will say yes. So a closed mouth doesn't get fed. And that's my grandmother, Willie Mae Williams. Uh, My second thing that I live my life around is Maya Angelou said something like, People will forget what you said. They will forget what you do, but they will not forget how you made them feel. And so I step into every situation trying to be authentically and unapologetically black, but at the same time, not forgetting that difference is a thing. And I want to make sure that other pe- that translate to other people who are different from me. So those are my two creeds and my words of wisdom. That's what I, sp- I sprinkle on it, you know, at the end of the day is that's the wisdom I live by. Sonia, thank you so much for joining us on tonight or today. Whenever they're listening to the podcast, we greatly appreciate it. We thank you for speaking so freely and just showing up as yourself. That's one of the big things I talk about is that we show up as ourself in every space that we show up. Listening audience, thank you for joining us on tonight. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to text intelligence to 302 208-9440. Again, 302-208-9440. As I always say, embrace your best self, create a great day, walk with purpose, and by all means, execute your vision. Well, there you have it. That's today's episode of the Multidimensional Intelligence Podcast. If you want to be notified of all future episodes while having access to previous episodes, simply subscribe through your preferred listening platform. Also, if you feel inclined, leave us a five-star rating and review. For those who want to remain connected to me and all things that I have going on, text me at 302-208-9440. Again, 302-208. Nine four four zero. Until next time, peace.